Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rise Up here on LFA TV, and this is episode number 172 already. 
on our way to 200. I remember when we hit 100 episodes and it was special. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as our journey with Jesus continues, 100 seems like so long ago. And I'm ready for 100 more. How about you? Are you ready for 100 more episodes of Rise Up? 200, 1,000 more? Give me an amen in the live chat. As I see, we have about 900 people waking up, rising up. Maybe some of you are rising up with that beautiful, dark, roasted, rich Sumatra gold Rise Up coffee. Maybe some of you are waking up with that American pecan Rise Up coffee. As you can see here, we are not afraid to show our love for God. We like to wake up with coffee and scripture and devotion and worship. So I want to thank you guys all for being here. I see all the amens coming in. Jesus have it all. You know me, I'm an entertainer. I love performing. I love worshiping and, 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 and uh, you know, that, that music that gets you hyped up for the Lord. But there's also time for intimate worship music. And that today, for this show, that song, Jesus Have It All, was needed. That was intimate worship music with God this morning. Jesus have it all. Now, I titled today's show, The Results Are In. He is your father. Now, I know you guys all remember those Maury Povich and, you know, Jerry Springer shows and the results are in. This person is the father of that baby. Ladies and gentlemen, the results are in. And God is your father. Now, some children reject the authority of their parents. Some children reject the idea of having their parents at all and go through life without any kind of respect or love for their mother or their father. But what I really want to focus on today and I think we're going to, um, I think we're going to be pulling on some heartstrings today, because I know it pulls on mine personally. Is those of you out there who don't have a father, maybe never knew your father, grew up without a dad, never understanding what it feels like to look into the crowd or look into the audience at a school play, or look into the the crowd at a football game or a baseball game or a softball game or a basketball or a soccer game or a dance recital, and you look out there and you don't have a dad to look out there to. That's a scar that will remain on your flesh for the rest of your life. Those who become Christian... For those people who are fortunate enough to seek out Jesus and find him, because if you seek him, you will find him. Those scars, those fleshly scars that you have from the absence of your father, they're healed. But for those of you who are maybe just in the beginning of your journey with Jesus, or maybe you've not begun your journey with Jesus, but you're here today to start that, you may still have those scars. And I know it hurts. Some of you lost your dad when you were a child. Your father passed away. Some of you had a stepfather step into that role and say, I will be this child's father. Today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the absence of fatherhood. We're going to be talking about us as fathers. We're going to be talking from the point of view of a mother who has to raise a child without a father due to the fact that he left or death or whatever. And like I said, a lot of you are going to identify with what I have to talk about today. Mary says, I had a great dad. My mom left when I was four. 
L. Ryder said, I lost my dad when I was 17. Angel says, my father is alive and well, but he's not a dad. I don't know him. He's been absent. Grammy Love says, I cannot fathom not loving my parents. My parents are 80, and I thank God every day I still have them. Kalia says, abusive father's bio, dad and stepdad. Oh, your biological father was abusive. I get what you're saying. CQ says, my father was present, but he was abusive. I forgave him. The one I am says, I had a couple of pops and guardians that had a hand in raising me. And race mom says, I lost my dad when I was 23. I want to get into this morning's prayer. And then I'm going to tell you guys a story of my father, my stepfather, and what I told my kids yesterday. Nancy said, I lost my dad in my late 30s. LLB58 says, I miss my daddy. Went to be with Jesus in 2016. Are you, for you women out there, for the women out there, do you ever get too old to call your dad, daddy? I'm curious. I know Southerners do. Daddy always said. Daddy always said that if we go out there, we ought to make sure that we're safe. I understand Southerners call their father daddy. But if you're not Southern, and it's not part of your tradition to do that, do you ever get too old to call your father daddy? I'm curious because my, my daughters don't do that. My older daughters don't do that. My younger daughter still says daddy, and I just absolutely love that. I wish my older daughters still did. LL says, no, I'm from Tennessee. T. Hodges says, my daddy will always be my daddy. Daisy Duke said, my dad is in, um, oh, I lost it. I'm sorry. Aspen said, lost my dad when he was 24. Dimple says, I'm 51 and he's still my daddy. Ruth says, my dad was abusive. Twanity says, when my dad was dying on the hospice bed, I cried out, I love you, daddy. I think it's time to go to prayer because I can already see things are getting a little heavy. And that's what Rise Up is all about. It's not only about, you know, convicting yourself, but it's also about bringing up those old wounds that you didn't know you still maybe had. Heather Traeger says, my dad sexually abused me. You know, that's one thing, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was ignored and, and, and left for dead from my father really. But, uh, I can't imagine being a woman and having their father, their daddy, the one they're supposed to trust the most physically, sexually abuse them. I, 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 I cannot even fathom that my, my wife is one of them. Uh, my sisters had that happen at the, at, at, it's just the ultimate robbing of somebody's innocence as a father doing that to their child. And for those out there who are watching that had that happen, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that you had to go through that. That you still have to go through that today. And I know the pain because my wife tells me once in a while how bad it was. How bad it still is. It is hard to forgive your father for that. It really is. Heather said, I forgave him. We're not even 15 minutes in yet and we're crying. (laughs) Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In Jesus' name, Father God, we come to you today and thank you for being our daddy. Thank you for being our father, our dad, our papa, 
whatever word people are feel comfortable using, Lord, we know that you will never, ever, ever leave us. You would never abuse us. You would never forsake us. You would never ignore us. You would never insult us. That's what a father should be. Lord, we ask that today you use this show and me and everybody watching to spread the message to fathers out there who just have not found their way to Jesus yet, who are abusive or who don't give their daughters and sons the time of day. Fathers are so special, and some fathers have no idea how much they're needed. And some fathers are just so selfish, Lord, that they just don't get it. We ask that you touch their hearts today. We pray for them, for they know not what they do. And if they do know what they're doing, and they refuse and rebel to do the right thing and the righteous thing, Lord, we ask that you touch their hearts today and change their hearts from a heart into a softened heart, seeking Jesus, seeking repentance. Lord, please be with us today as we go through this very tough topic. Help us come through the other side, fully aware that the results are in, and you are our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dautet says, my dad was the best. I wish I knew that feeling. I wish I knew that feeling. In God's hand says, my dad repented. Brycat says, cheated out of knowing mine. Maybe when Jesus returns, my few memories are good and bad. Dimple says, your heavenly father will never let you down. No, he won't. He really won't. I'd like to read for you today the description of today's show. And then I'm going to get into um, in today's verse. And then we're going to talk about some personal stuff, okay? So I said this. What do you think about what comes to your mind when you think of the word Father. Feel free to put it in the live chat. What comes to your mind when you think of the word father? What was your father like? Did you grow up without knowing your real father? Was there a stepdad in your life who raised you? The role of a father has nothing to do with genetics. The role of a father is so much more than that. How do we know if we are the fathers that we should be? And I saw somebody, Grammy Love wrote, Protector. That is why when a father sexually abuses his daughter or his son, and he's looked at as the ultimate protector, how are you ever supposed to trust another man in your life? I understand this, you guys. I get it, and I'm not a woman. How do we know if we are being the fathers we should be? I have the answer for that. Now, this may be an emotional show for those who didn't have a father figure growing up or had an abusive father or a stepfather that stepped in and was also bad. Let's talk about that today. S. Sindri says, my hero. Moose for Trump says, the role of a father to me is to be a kind leader. I like what J. Rock 1970 said, enforcer. Protector, enforcer. You need a stern father, obviously, right? I want to tell you guys a story. You mind if I tell a story before I get into the mountains of books here? When I was two years old, and I think I've told you this part of the story, my mother and father split. They split because they were young, they were dumb, they didn't have the sanctity of life, they didn't have Jesus part of their life. My father was abusive to my mother, and he went to hit her at one point and hit me and like bloodied or broke my nose when I was little. I can't remember exactly what happened. I mean, I can't remember what happened, but I can't remember exactly how my mom described it to me. 
Um, it was different, I think, every time she told it to me in some way, shape, or form. But maybe that's just because she got older and didn't remember it correctly. But long story short, my mother and father split. Now, my two families, my mother's family, my mother's father and mother, and my father's side of the family hated each other. Those two families hated each other. My father's name was Miller, Rick Miller, and my mother's name was Harold. So the Millers and the Harolds were at odds. My grandfather, my mother's father, who died of leukemia, um, he told my mother that if she ended up having me with this family, that he would disown me and her, which he did do. So for the first two years of my life, my mother's side of the family disowned her, and my father's side of the family uh, kind of brought her in as their own. Well, when we split, my mother ran back to her side of the family, and they stopped, you know, they, they stopped shunning her and disowning her and me, and I ended up becoming my, father, my grandfather's favorite grandchild. When I was four, my father's side of the family kidnapped me from my mother's side of the family. And when that happened, my father's side of the family and my mother's side of the family, the men came together in like, like this like brawl, like this big brawl at my father's side of this family's auto mechanic shop that we had. My father's side of the family, my father and my uncles put my uncles on my mother's side of the family and my grandfather in the hospital for weeks. They beat them with chains and lead pipes like savage animals. My mother ended up getting the authorities involved. She ended up getting back, you know, getting custody of me back. Then in 1986, when I was seven years old, my mother took me and moved to New England and got away from Illinois and got me away from my father. Now, during those years of like three to seven, I was also not around my father. So I don't remember him in any way, shape or form. I have a couple memories you know, but nothing really that stuck. So this was my life growing up. So when she moved me out here to uh, New England, which was she moved to Vermont in 1986, I stayed here from 1986 until 1992. In 1992, I could not take the, my, my, the, the abuse, the drugs, and you guys know my life with my mother. It was, you know, at that point, my mother was addicted to drugs. My stepfather was also a drug addict. They robbed houses to make sure that we had Christmas presents. Every Christmas present that we opened for multiple years was presents that other children should have got. Wrapping paper that other parents spent time wrapping their kids. Our family was just an absolute hellhole of a mess. Okay? Now, I'm getting to the story of my father, since this is a story about fathers. So I said to my mother one day, when my mother and I, I was uh, 13 years old, and my mother uh, was abusing me at that point, and she's obviously doesn't, isn't like this anymore, and you know she's repenting and, and, and this, that, and the other, but this is just her story, and I'm telling you. Well, one day she tried to kill me, I think, with a screwdriver and stuck it through the door of my bedroom when chasing me, and it almost got my head. And I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, I have, to go live with, I have to go live with my dad in Illinois. I got to get out of here. And my mom was like, go then. She basically let me go. I mean, like, what kind of a mother does that? She said, fine, leave. I was 13 years old. So I left and I moved to go live with my father. So at this point, I was a fresh, I was going into ninth grade. I was leaving eighth grade, going into ninth grade. And so I moved out there that, that summer. Well, when I flew out there, back then, children flew alone. Right back then, you didn't need a parent to fly with you. The stewardess helped you. The airlines were friendly, X, Y, and Z. So I flew out there alone at 13 years old. And I flew into Chicago O'Hare Airport. If anybody has been to Chicago O'Hare Airport, you know it's an absolute nightmare as an adult. So as a child, I had no idea what the heck was going on. So I had to get on another plane and fly to East Moline, Illinois. If you know where that is, it's part of the Quad Cities, the Illinois side. My father was there to pick me up with my grandmother and some other family members because uh, they knew I was coming out to live with them. Now, this is arguably my first time meeting my father that I can really remember, okay? I'm excited. I'm thinking to myself, I get to meet my dad, right? And I was really fat, 
I was a chunky little short kid with zits, pizza face, you know, no friends, this, that, and the other. And I'd already been called, you know, piglet, porky, fat boy, or whatever pig fat name you can think of when I went through my whole, my whole life, even my mom. My mom's name for me was not Jeremy. It was fat boy. That was my name, right, Eli? He knows. So when I got to the airport, I'm walking by myself, getting off the plane, got my backpack, got my suitcase. Never forget this. And I'm walking through the airport looking for my dad because they weren't there at the, uh, at the gate for me. Back then, you could be. So I'm walking, by, I'm walking down the, the, the airport by myself, and I see a man, an old lady, and a couple other people walking towards me, and I thought it was my dad. I'm like, I think that's my dad. Back then, we didn't have cell phones. It wasn't like he was taking selfies and posting them. I really didn't know what he looked like, but I, I knew he would resemble me. So as I'm walking through the airport, this guy and this old lady, and they walk by me. And I like, I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and we kind of like lock eyes for a minute. And I'm like, I think that's my dad. So I think that's my dad. And I kind of looked back and they just kept walking. I said, well, probably not or else, you know, they probably would have known who I was. So about five minutes later, I turned around to walk back and so did they. And it turned out it was my dad and my grandma. And I think a couple cousins I had. I know, my gra- I know my dad and my grandma were there for sure. And, uh, and I know some of you have heard this story, but some of you have not. And my dad literally said, so when we got back together and I said, Dad? And he's like, Jeremy. And I'm like, yeah. And, I'm, and uh, I didn't get a hug from him. I got a hug from my grandma. I remember that. But my dad didn't hug me. I think he just put his hand on my shoulder, if I remember correctly. I mean, this is, you know, 30 years ago now. And... Uh, but I'll never forget what he said next. I said, I wasn't sure if that was you. I wasn't sure if that was you guys. And my dad kind of half smiled and he looked at me and he said, I was hoping that wasn't you. So in the first five minutes of me talking to my dad, arguably for the first time that I really remember, I know there was other times before because I know there was pictures of me when I was little with him, but I don't remember that. I said, I didn't know if that was you or not with a big smile on my face. And he said, I was hoping that wasn't you. My heart broke in a billion pieces. My heart broke in more pieces than the deep state's going to be broken apart when Donald Trump comes back in 2025. Bet that. But my heart just broke. So I just came from, you know, at this point, I'm looking back on it now and I'm okay with everything now, but I'm looking back on it. I'm like, I'm 13 years old. I just came from a massively abusive home. I felt like I escaped. I felt like I had freedom. I felt like I was going to people who actually did love me. And the first thing that I hear from my father is I was hoping that wasn't you. And I remember when I was in prison thinking of that moment and hating my father so incredibly bad. Like I wanted him dead. So Matt, fast forward to about a week later, I was supposed to be going out and living with him. But after he told me I was hoping that wasn't you and I was immediately homesick I wanted to leave for the next week I was calling my mom I was super depressed and then my dad said well you can't live with me I said what do you mean he said we don't have any room here at the house you have to go live with your grandmother which is probably the worst mistake ever because when I moved with my grandparents my grandparents were old and had no authority over me whatsoever and I ran the streets I tried to I tried to cram in as much freedom as I could in as little time as I possibly could. And that ended up getting me in trouble and going to prison. 
I promise you this is coming to a... I, I, I hate to take up the whole time telling stories, but it's coming to a head here soon. So I go, I say, fine. So I live with my grandmother. I end up going to prison. I leave high school and go to prison. I actually commit crimes and I'm charged with crimes before I even graduate high school. So while everybody else is getting ready to graduate and go to, you know, NIU or, 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 or SIU or any of these other universities, I'm going to DOC. I'm going to the Department of Corrections. So when I get to the Department of Corrections, I don't know why I thought anything would be any different. I thought for sure my dad would come visit me. My dad would write me. Never happened. You guys know that story. And then when I got out of prison and I said, uh, I'm leaving as soon as I get off parole, I'm going back to New England and I'm going to go in the music business. He berated me for that, told me I wasn't going to be anything, told me I was going to be nothing, amount to nothing but a loser. I shouldn't leave. I'm a loser, blah, 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 blah. So on that, from that moment on, I said, if I ever have kids, I am going to be the best father to them. I am not going to be like this guy. I'm not going to be like other fathers that I saw. I'm going to be in their lives. I'm going to be a father, right? So fast forward through everything. I have my kids. I have my first two kids. And that's when me and my father reconcile. And all these years since 2008, my father and I have gotten closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. Fast forward to yesterday. Now, I was supposed to be in Wisconsin yesterday, as you all know. Circumstances happened with business and personal life that made it so I couldn't go to Wisconsin. Now, you all know that the RNC debate where I was supposed to be is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is only about two hours from where my dad lives. My dad is always sending me pictures of going to Milwaukee, Wisconsin with my sisters to watch baseball games, Cubs games at the Milwaukee Brewers Stadium. He's always posting pictures and sending me pictures of when he goes to Chicago, which is even further away than Milwaukee from his home. Look at me, son. I'm at the baseball game at the Cubs game with your sister. That's great, Dad. I wish it was you being you. I love you. Miss you. Can't wait to see you. Now, my dad was supposed to meet me and my wife in Milwaukee yesterday. Before I even told my father that I wasn't coming because of circumstances, you know, personal circumstances with our family and business circumstances that I needed to stay back for, before I even told him that we weren't coming, I got a message from him saying, sorry, can't make it. I haven't seen my dad. This will be, it's been three years since I've seen my father. And I was going to literally be two hours away from him yesterday, and he canceled. Ten years ago, that would have hurt me really bad. 20 years ago, it would have hurt even worse. But today, August 24th, year of our Lord, 2023, I'm not hurt by it at all. Because the results are in. And my father is in heaven. Once I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, nobody here can disappoint me anymore. Nobody here can hurt me anymore when it comes to my father and my mother. The expectations are low for them. The hopes are high. But I have validation with my father in heaven. So I want you all to know out there that have gone through the same thing I have or that are continuing to go through things with your father now, or maybe your father was abusive or ignored you. You don't have to let it hurt anymore. You just don't. Now, while I'm not hurt, 
that my father didn't want to come and see me after three years of not seeing me and only driving two hours, which he seems to do all the time. I'm hurt for him. Like it used to be that I would be hurt by that and it would bring tears to my eyes because I was hurt. Now it brings tears to my eyes because I know that he doesn't know what he's doing. Forgive him, God. He has no idea. My father's more than likely going to die without seeing me or his grandkids for years and years and years because he refuses to make the effort to do so. He hasn't seen his grandchildren in three years because he refuses to make the effort to do so, which lets me know that there's not a lot of care there coming from him. So if there's not a lot of care there coming from him, well, then I shouldn't give it an ounce of care to let it bother me, but I do care because I know it's going to bother him because I know what it's like to be a father. I also know what it's like to be a father who can't see one of his children, one of his illegitimate children that he had when he was stupid and the mother basically will never, ever, ever let me see or know him. And that hurts. So I know that there's got to be a hurt in him. With your fathers that abused you, there has to be a hurt. If they're still alive, there has to be a hole in them that they can't fill. There's got to be a hurt. I'm a father. I understand how making mistakes is a hole that hurts. I understand how regretting something that you've done to your children leaves a hole that hurts. I get it. There has to be a hurt in them. There has to be. Jeremy, does he watch your show? No. He has no idea what I, what I do in my life. When I do talk to him, which, and I love my father, I do. Don't let this... Don't let me make it sound like I don't love my father. I love my father. Colon wax. Do you beat your kids too? No. No. Not at all. Not at all. Never would. Eli, can you uh, block Colin Wax forever? He says, your dad must be a smart guy not to watch this crap. Oh, poor Colin. Forgive you, you don't you know not what you do either. You see, the great thing about having a heavenly father is that there's guidance there. Guidance that people cannot give you here that leads you into being a man or a woman of integrity because you are a man and woman of the spirit, not of the flesh. My father is a man of the flesh, unfortunately. Colin Wax is a man or woman of the flesh. I don't know which they are, but they are of the flesh, and you know that by the way they speak. My children, I asked them yesterday, after I, um, after I was thinking about this yesterday, because I, again, I was supposed to be in Wisconsin, so when I'm running the streams here, and, 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 and Crispy and Liz are in, in Wisconsin with producer Frankie, and I, and I thought about this last night, and then I came back, worked the, uh, the Trump-Tucker thing last night, which by the way, we had almost 11,000 live viewers last night of that episode, so thank you very much. I went to bed. I went home last night. Everybody was in bed and I'm just kind of laying there. And I was thinking about it. And then I asked my kids this morning. My my oldest stepson, Tristan, uh, he didn't know his father until me and his mother got together. So I think he was maybe seven when he met his father. And now him and his father are like this. Me and his father are like this. His father actually thanked me for raising his son. So I asked him yesterday, and my, and my, my biological son, I asked him both, I said, because he was telling me that him and his father were at the, uh, 
at Six Flags this last weekend. Tristan and his father were at Six Flags last weekend, and his father was doing rides with him and saying, I haven't ridden this ride since I was your age. So I asked him. I said, uh, what's that like? He goes, what? I said, well, you didn't know your dad until you were seven, eight years old, and then, you know, we, you met your dad, and now you and your dad are like this, and you're going to games together, and you're going to Six Flags together, and he's reminiscing about when he was your age. I said, what's that like? He goes, I don't know, it feels great. You know, 16-year-olds. So I asked my other son, my actual son, I said, What's it like to have me as a father? You know, because I'm involved in all of their stuff. Like, I'm in their games. I try not to miss anything. I'm at all of their accomplishments. I'm working with them on their skills and sports constantly when I can. This job makes it a little bit more tough because I'm not there a lot. But when I am there, it's quality, right? And I asked my son, and my son says, I don't know anything else, so I don't know. And that kind of brought a tear to my eye. Not a bad tear. I was happy. I was like, My sons don't know what it's like to not have their father. My sons don't know what it's like to have an abusive father. My sons don't know what it's like to have a father who ran out on them and doesn't want them. My sons don't know what it's like to have a father who would ever leave them or forsake them or let them rot in prison. My my sons don't have a father that will tell them that they will fail at everything they ever try to do. My sons don't have a father that will sit there and discourage everything that they love and who they are and what skills God gave them to do. My sons have a father that will be there for them no matter what. And for that, I am so thankful because I know what that feels like now that I have a father who does the same thing. I have a father who does what I do for my kids, for me, but much more. And I said, I don't know what it's like to have an earthly father to do this stuff. That's why I'm genuinely just asking what's it feel like because I wanted to know But my sons can't tell me what it feels like because they don't know the alternative. See, I was looking for my sons to tell me this great feel. Oh, it's so great to be with your dad, to love your dad, to have that father figure. He's your hero. They don't they won't know that until I die. Right. They won't know the importance of that until I die and I'm gone and they're looking at my grave and they're they're reading Philippians 413 uh, on my on my uh, gravesite. They won't know that until then. And that brings me joy. That brings me joy. Now, I didn't get the answer to my question. I still don't know what it feels like as a son to have a father here on earth. But I do know what it feels like to have a father who loves you. Let's get into uh, one-minute prayer for dads. We're going to be reading from page 137. It says, giver of gifts. Who's a giver of gifts? Who gives the ultimate gifts? God. RJ says, you're wrong. They will know when they grow up. They will thank you one day. Well, thank you. I hope so. I hope I'm alive for them to tell me how much it was, how much they enjoyed having their father. I hope, I hope so. Rosa, you give me hope. Rock and Robin says they will not know until they have their own kids. Well, that's a good point, too. That's a good point, too. Hopefully, I'm still alive here on this earth when that happens. If not, I'll be okay because I'll be at peace. I'll be at peace with Jesus. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. God gives good gifts to his children. But when does he do that? Does it when we ask? May God, are we spoiled? Are we spoiled individuals? Are we spoiled by God? Does our dad spoil us? You're darn right he does. You're darn right he does. He's given me the ability to smile right now. He's given me the ability to talk and breathe. I'm spoiled. May God today bring good to you. 
as you ask him to be your giver of gifts. Then give back to him your praise and your gratitude. Jeremy, little David wants to know how you liked your gifts, the pictures. Well, we showed them on last night's show, little David, and we uh, were putting them up in our bedroom, actually. So we can see them every day we wake up and every day we go to sleep. That's how much you mean to us, David, and your family. Thank you. Lord, my kids took, look to me to be their provider, just as I look to you to provide for me. Help me in this role as I try to be generous, but also wise. Help me know how to give what they need in addition to what they want. And thank you for being so generous towards me. I see your gifts to me daily, and I appreciate every single one. Thank you for giving when I ask. Thank you for being the perfect dad. Victoria said, this is a really hard show for me. I know. I know. And I wouldn't have been ready to talk about this until yesterday, probably. Until I realized how little. My dad may love me. He may love me. If I died today, I'm sure my dad would weep and cry and regret so much. He loves me, but he doesn't know how to care for me. So when I found out that he wasn't going to show up, I didn't even answer him. You know that? I didn't even answer him. I was going to answer him and say, well, that's okay, dad. We're not coming anyway. Some things happened. I have to stay home. I didn't want to give him the satisfaction of letting him off the, uh, the hook like that. I want him to understand through his own journey what he's missing out on. See, again, he loves me, but he doesn't know how to care for me. Gremlin said, hard show for me also. Ricky says, very hard to relate to a heavenly father when an earthly father is such a bad example. Somebody said something. Will Is Will in the chat? Will Johnson, somebody said something about sorry for Will. I didn't see Will Johnson in chat, but. Jeremy, you now, you know what. Jeremy, you now know that you always had a heavenly father who was guiding your path. Yeah, I do. And that's why, and that's why it doesn't, uh. That's why it doesn't, you know, feel like a knife is getting stuck into my, my, my abdomen every time I talk about my dad. I'm going to tell you something. Um, no, my dad has not accepted Jesus. No, when I told my dad actually two weeks ago that my wife is far more important to me um, or that Jesus is far more important to me than my wife and children, my father couldn't believe it. My father basically told me I was stupid. He's like, how dare you say that, that Jesus is more important to you than your own kids. Your kids are more important than anything in, in life. I said, no, they're not, Dad, and you're incredibly wrong. Maybe that's why he decided not to come and see me. I don't know. I don't know. But I do remember that when I would watch TV and I would see like, like a commercial or a, a movie about a father and a son being close or coming together, it would feel like somebody was sticking a knife into my abdomen and just turning it every day, every time I'd see something like that. You're right. He's ashamed and it's going to continue to haunt him until he surrenders to Jesus. You're probably right. You're probably right. Big shout out to Will. If Will's in the chat, uh, Will and Laura Loomer will be working hard for us today down in Atlanta, Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I got a couple of videos to show you, actually. So let's do that. Let's go to the video mode. Thank you to the 1700 people that are here. God bless you all. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. That helps us move up the leaderboard. Not the amount of views. Although yesterday, LFA TV had a collective 400,000 views on the channel. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right. Let's play a video. Roll it. Expect that praying to God will grant you everything you desire. God will not give you what you can achieve on your own. 
The best example can be found in the Bible. Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus with his disciples. He asked his disciples to move the stone. When they did that, Jesus spoke only a few words, and Lazarus rose from the dead after four days. Now the question arises, couldn't Jesus have moved the stone with few words? Certainly, he could have moved the stone himself. However, regular people can do that as well. But regular people cannot raise the dead. The moral of the story is, God works in the impossible. And if something is possible, he lets you do it. Amen. Wow. Jesus could have rolled the stone. But God works in the impossible. And if it is possible, he wants you to do it. After all, you're made in his image. What an awesome video. Saw that this morning. I saw that this morning and I thought to myself, that's, that's heavy. That's some heavy stuff right there. So the next time you think about, wow, I feel like I'm going through this alone. I don't feel like my heavenly father is here with me through this. Oh, no, he is. He is. He just wants you to go through stuff on your own that you can handle, that it is possible for you. Now, here's another one. Now, I know this one's going to cause a lot of controversy. I knew it would, but I really wanted to show it because this guy, uh, he's very, very, very good. And he has people call him in all the time. Call in. Uh, he does like videos where he lets pe random people come in and basically ask him any question about Christianity. And the guy is always just on point with it. Now, I know that there's a big theory out there that the earth is not round, that the earth is flat. And I know that there's people that think that the earth is flat because it's biblical that the earth is flat. Because it says stuff about the firmament. And I've told you before that I don't care if the earth is a diamond, an octagon, flat, round, a straight line, tall, short, fat, skinny. I don't care. It's not going to change my life. I know Jesus and that's all that matters. So this guy got a question. Does the Bible teach flat earth? And I know a lot of Christians believe in that. Again, does it really matter? Well, yeah, it matters because it matters. It's, 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 it's the powers that be trying to make us believe something that isn't true so that we know that get us further away from Jesus' teaching. Get us further away, further away from the Bible. If you are a child of God, nothing in this world can get you further away from the Bible. Number one. So whether you believe in a flat earth or whether you don't, whether you believe it's biblical or whether you don't, I'd like you to hear this kid's explanation as to the firmament and the earth being round or flat. Again, I know this is going to have a lot of controversy, but it really doesn't need to. That's the devil. That's the devil dividing us. Because again, whether it's flat, round, or cubed, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to space. <laughs> I'm not going to anywhere except for when Jesus comes back. I always love this, this argument. Like it actually matters. Roll it. Is the earth flat? Is that what the Bible teaches? Now, some people are bringing up this word firmament, which is mentioned in the King James translation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. They're thinking that the word firmament means that there is like some sort of fixed structure, fixed dome outside the earth, and that there's water outside of that, space is not real. But that's not what the Bible actually says. The word firmament is an old-fashioned word that simply means sky. It's an expanse. And so the separation of the waters above from the waters below is simply... The waters above are the clouds. Remember how it rains? That's water. The clouds are made of water. The water below is the sea. The area in the middle is, is an expanse called the sky. That's what the word firmament means, just the sky, between the water above the clouds and the waters below the sea. So it's not talking about a dome or a flat earth. We can even just base on our own observation, see how the earth is not flat you can go to the edge of the ocean you can see a ship going out to sea and as you watch it go out to sea the last part you're going to be able to see of it is the top of it the top of the ship you're going to see the bottom of it the hull and all that disappear why because the curvature of the earth we as christians are people of the truth so don't get caught up in conspiracy theories the bible never teaches a flat earth and so always check it with the bible Bible doesn't teach a flat earth, and it doesn't teach a round earth. It does say he looks down on the circle of the earth, but that could be a dinner plate, right? Again, this is where I'm going to in in interject my opinion. I 
don't care. I don't care what shape the earth is. God doesn't tell us to care what shape the earth is. Jesus does not teach in the three years that he's on this earth what shape the earth is. Do you want to know why? Because it doesn't matter. But Jeremy, they're, t- they're, they're turning everybody away from God by telling people the earth is round and, and that space exists and that the moon exists and that we landed on it. Does it matter in the end? The only thing that matters is if you want to win an argument. This is the devil trying to get us to talk and conversate about things that don't matter. If you found out tomorrow the earth was flat, is that going to save you from hell? If you found out the earth tomorrow was a cube and it was square, is that going to give you salvation? Is that going to bring you the grace of God by knowing that? Or are you just going to win an argument with an idiot? There you go. Get out of the weeds and love each other. That's what matters. Amen. You're in the weeds with the whole earth is flat, earth is round. It does not matter. If it doesn't move forward the kingdom of heaven through Jesus Christ in revelation and repentance, not just in information, then it doesn't matter. And that's my two cents. Ladies and gentlemen, I love each and every one of you, and I do love conversation, even if it is a debatable conversation. They're actually the best. I want to thank you for your massive views lately. I want to thank you for your shares, because that's what bring the massive views. And remember, we're going to go throughout the day doing our shows, but at some point we're going to cut into Will Johnson and Laura Loomer down in Atlanta, Georgia, for Trump's booking. And this is an historic, a historic day. I love you. God bless you. I'm going to take you out the same way I brought you in with some good music, some good faith-filled music, things that really matter, not what shape the earth is. The fight continues here on LFA TV with Sean Farish and Ungoverned, followed by LFA TV Live from America with yours truly. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining in on Rise Up. God bless. Jesus, have my heart, my Jesus have my hopes, my dreams, my world, with joy I lay it down, with joy I cast my crowns, Jesus have it all. To you I bring my praise, my lips, my song, a living sacrifice as one. Radio.